Chapter 19, La Hija de Lagrimas. When Pau came to, she was lying on a glittering, on glittering black sand, her mouth and throat full of water. She rolled over and retched, the weedy taste of the river washing over her tongue as she gasped for air. Her clothes and hair were soaking wet, like she'd nearly drowned, and her veins looked greenish under her washed-out skin. The blood-red sun was setting over the river. Pau felt a wave of dread wash over her. She was having another dream, and somewhere in real life, the Ninos were in trouble. Dante was gone, and he and Emma were running out of time. Just had to play the hero, didn't you? Great, thought Pau, struggling to sit up. She coughed, each spasm making her chest ache. Not you, she said, the words burning her throat on their way out. Always so gracious, said Ondina from her seated position near Pau's feet. Her hair seemed to drift eerily around her shoulders, and her eyes were somehow more absorbing than usual, like the girl was becoming less human every time Pau saw her. It's no wonder your friends keep disappearing. Who'd want to hang out around with someone who has such a bad attitude? My friends are disappearing because your friends are taking them, Pau said, her anger burning through, pushing her to her feet. Where is Dante? She asked, getting closer to Ondina than she'd ever been, almost nose to nose. She smelled like the river, fishy and metallic and cold. Where's Dante? Ondina parroted, her voice high and reedy. Where's Emma? Shut up, Pau growled. Who am I going to sit with at lunch now? Oh, woe is me. I said shut up. Pau shoved Ondina in the chest with both palms. She shouldn't have been surprised to find Ondina solid, especially after Pau's very physical tangle with the ahogados. But the black-clad girl was so different from them. Part of Pau had expected her hands to pass right through. But they didn't, and Ondina stumbled back, stabilizing herself just before she fell, adjusting the collar of her dress with a snooty expression and extracting several strands of black hair from her pouty little mouth. Pushing me isn't going to solve your problems. Then what is? Pau asked at the end of her rope. I fought with the niños today because they trusted me. They told me things that they didn't just show up in my dreams and speak in riddles. She took a deep breath. You know where Emma and Dante are. I know you do. So tell me. Just tell me. Or maybe I'll let one of those monsters drag me to wherever they're always trying to take me and find out for myself. No! Ondina shouted with a ferocity that flashed like lightning, surprising them both. If you do that, you can't do that. Do you understand me? There's no way, there's no getting in that way. Not for you. How do I get in then? It's so obvious, Sondina said, rolling her two large eyes, her thick eyebrows adding extra disapproval to the expression. You have all the information at your fingertips. Just use your brain. You can't tell me, can you? Pau asked, one corner of the puzzle starting to come together. You act like you're this big badass, but you're really just a scared little girl with puppet strings still attached. She could tell she'd hit a nerve when Undina didn't even attempt a snarky comeback. Is it the Ahogados? Pau asked. Or the other ones, anyway? Do they control you? Undina scoffed, flipping, her, flipping back her curls with a pale hand. Please, those brainless things, all they can do is follow orders, and for the last time, I'm not one of them. Then what are you? Pau asked, knowing she was close to figuring it out from the electricity that sparked between her synapses. It was the feeling she always got when she was about to make a big breakthrough, her favorite feeling in the world. Ondina's eyes flashed, and in them, Pau could see something more than just a petulant dream girl who showed up at the worst times. 
Something timeless and hungry and terrifying. La hija de lagrimas, Undina said, her voice flat and expressionless. That's what they call me. Once again, Pao's faulty Spanish was going to be the end of her. Hija was daughter, but lagrimas? Pao didn't think she'd ever heard that word before. Whose orders, she asked, seeing Undina in a new light. Was she the general? Who do the Ajogados follow? For the first time, Pau detected fear in Ondina's expression. It was fleeting, but it was there. Ondina wasn't the general, but she knew who was. Who is it? Pau asked her, stepping closer to her again. They know where Emma and Dante are. They're responsible for all of this, so who is it? You're running out of time, Ondina snapped. This isn't important. Don't ask yourself who, ask yourself how. Her voice was fainter now, and she began to shimmer in the air. Don't you dare, Pau said, grabbing her by the shoulders, their faces closer than they'd ever been. Ondina's skin was shockingly cold through the fabric of her dress. Don't you dare disappear before you tell me what's happening. Not this time. Silly girl, Ondina said, her gaze far away now. Silly, stupid girl. She was gone before the last word was even all the way out, and Pau's hands clutched at nothing while the landscape in front of her evaporated again. Something jerked Pau to the side, and she launched on... She landed on her back again, this time on sand as white as bone. Around her, black moss hung in curtains from cacti ten feet tall. The river was green again, but in front of her, yawning, gaping, terrifying, was a giant mouth. Pau screamed like she hadn't in a dream since elementary school. She screamed in a way that told her she was screaming in real life, too. The mouth opened wider, and she could see down its long black throat. That fishing hook feeling was back, tugging at her chest pulling and pulling until Pau's shoes were pressed against a massive tongue, and the teeth were surrounding her, and its hot breath was threatening to suck her in. But just before the mouth swallowed her whole, everything went still, and as if her body were being controlled by puppet strings, Pau got to her feet and walked calmly into the darkness. This time, when Pau woke up, she knew she was really back. Back in her body, back at the Niños camp, her eyesight was blurry at first, but it didn't take long for faces to start coming into focus. She was on the ground. She knew that much. Marissa's braids were the first thing she identified, followed by Naomi's wide brown eyes and tangle of white curls. Pau coughed, then pushed herself up to sitting, even though every muscle in her body screamed at her to stop. Are you okay? Marissa asked, but there was a strange edge to her voice. Pau's memory came back in snippets. The ghost kids hanging on to her, the flashlight turning on. That's when Pau realized her hands were empty. Where's my flashlight? She asked, her voice hoarse, every word scraping her throat like sandpaper. No one answered. Where is it? She asked again, finally upright. She didn't like the way they were looking at her. I need it back. The key, you mean? Naomi said, and Marissa elbowed her to shut up. What? Pau asked, but Naomi's words combined with what had just happened with the flashlight and what she knew of Franco's theories finally brought it all together. The key. You had it the whole time, Marissa said quietly. Why didn't you tell us? Suddenly, Pau was very uncomfortable on the ground, with the two of them standing over her. She pushed herself to standing instead, not quite as tall as them, but meeting them as equals at least. I didn't know, Pau said honestly, not until... Marissa nodded, but Naomi looked skeptical. You didn't know, she asked. When you followed it here, when you used it against the ahogados, what were you doing then? Honestly, Pau said, her head pounding. I was kind I was kind of just making things up as I went along. That much at least was true. 
All I've ever wanted to do is find my friend. Naomi scoffed. Marissa's expression didn't change. Tell me what happened, Pao said, before they, a they could ask her any more questions about the flashlight. They retreated, Marissa said, her voice far away sounding. The light made them let go of you and anyone else they were holding, and they ran off. The scouts are sweeping the area now, but they're gone. And Dante, Pao asked, barely getting his name out. <clears throat> Naomi's sneer softened, if only just a little. He fought bravely, she said, shaking her head. We weren't prepared. We didn't know. Was he killed or taken? Pao asked, not needing to know how Naomi felt or what she'd failed to account for. The silence went on for a heartbeat longer than Pao could stand. Naomi, was he killed or taken? Naomi looked at Marissa, who nodded slightly. Taken, Naomi said. I'm so sorry. I want my flashlight, Pao said, cutting her off. Now. We can't let you, Marissa began, but Pao didn't let her finish either. You don't have the authority to stop me, Pao said. We had a deal, remember? The deal has changed, Marissa said, the lines of her face hard. She was a leader now, not a friend. She wasn't going to negotiate. We can't let the key go now, not when it can protect us through the solstice. You promised, Pao shouted, trying to stand, stay standing, even though her head was spinning from exhaustion and grief. You told me you would help me. She wanted to believe Marissa was no longer the evil girl who had tormented her in school, but all she could hear were Ondina's words, cautioning her not to trust Marissa, telling her the solstice was her only chance to get Emma back. And now Marissa was trying to keep her from doing just that. You don't belong with them, Ondina had said, and maybe she'd been right, because Pao was pretty sure that the giant yawning black mouth had been the rift, and, all, and she was all the way sure she knew how to get into it. I know what you're thinking, Pao, said Marissa, but it won't work. You can't get through, and even if you could, you don't know what you'd be up against in there. None of us do. It doesn't matter, Pao said. I just can't, I can't just sit here and let the window close. Not all my friends need me. We need you, Naomi said, the words exploding like a ball of flame. You saw what that light can do. You could protect the whole camp with it. Keep the monsters at bay. But Pao was already shaking her head. And then what? She asked. We drive them back, we lose some friends, and then it all happens again next month, next year. It's time to deal with the rift once and for all, to put an end to this. Because one day, you won't be able to stop the monsters. It may not be today or tomorrow, or even for another hundred years. But eventually, they'll get through. And then Silver Springs will be gone. The whole world will be gone. No one said a word. Give me my flashlight, please. Neither girl moved. The key takes something from you, Marissa said. All magic has a price. You can't use it again so soon, or you could... I don't have a choice, Pow exploded. The solstice starts in a few hours. I don't know how long it'll take me to find the rift, or how hard it'll be to get in. I don't have the time to waste. Would you just look at yourself, Naomi said, pulling a compact mirror out of her back pocket and holding it up to Pow. You're not invincible, and you won't be of any use to anyone once you turn into one of them. Pao took the mirror, her hands strangely steady. Her face was the same, same round cheeks, same long nose, same heavy eyebrows, threatening to meet in the middle. Only now, the left brow was pure white. She pulled the mirror a little farther away from her face and surveyed the full picture calmly. It wasn't just her eyebrow. One of her braids from the part to the tip was white too, like she was a little brown Cruella de Vil minus the puppy skin coat. Oh, said Pao, her voice sounding very far away. She remembered the pulling feeling in her chest. 
the way the heat had spread through her, the way she'd held on to the flashlight despite the pain. Was this the result? Whatever it was, hadn't it been worth it? She saved the camp, saved herself. The key, Marissa said again, it draws energy from you to power it. Franco said, I get it, Pal replied, not wanting to talk about Franco or what had happened to him. Not when she needed to be able to do what he did to survive. Yeah, and survive. It drains you, just like the ahogados do. Pao's brain was just as tired as her body, but even so, something was sparking there. If the flashlight drew from her life force to repel the ahogados, were the ahogados powering themselves by drawing energy from the living? From Emma, said a voice in her head, from Dante. Whatever you decide, you have to rest first, said Naomi, her voice pitched too high, trying to sound concerned and sweet. It was unnatural, and Pau didn't trust it, but she would, have, she would have to play along for now. She was outnumbered and weak, and she was running out of time. You're right, she said, in just as saccharine a tone. I'll rest a while, if that's okay. Of course, said Marissa, too quickly. Here, lie down in one of the tents. We'll keep watch in case the ahogados come back. Pau nodded, allowing herself to be led into to the tent full of cots. One, the one Naomi had banished them to before the Manos Pachonas attacked. Dante had been with her then. Pau had argued with him about soccer, of all things. And now, here, said Naomi, gesturing to a cot near the back. We'll wake you in an hour, and then we'll decide what to do. Pau nodded again, even though she knew there was nothing to be decided. She would lull them into a false sense of security, and then she would find her flashlight and get out of here. She would do what she had to do. She would pretend to sleep. She only had to stay awake a little longer. Just a little. It was dark when Pau opened her eyes again. Had she slept without dreaming? Had the flashlight stolen her dreams? Or had she just seen enough for one day? Her eye itched, and she reached up to scratch it. At least she tried to. Pau's wrist was tied to the side of the bed as was her other one, and both her ankles. Let me go, she shouted, but her voice was all but gone, too. Her heart was racing, her thoughts struggling to catch up with her reality. They had made her their prisoner, but why? Had they started to suspect her connection with the corrupted magic? Had they restrained her for her own safety? For their own safety? If they did, you can hardly blame them, said her critical inner voice, but something was telling Pow that wasn't the reason. She pulled again at the ropes, but they didn't give even a little. Her heart wouldn't slow down and her thoughts were racing too. Was it dark only inside the tent or had night really fallen? If so, she had a lot less time than she'd planned on. The solstice could be over by now for all she knew. She was alone, weaponless, and powerless. Someone sniffed in the darkness and Pau's pulse reacted, pounding faster still. She wasn't alone after all. Who's there? She whispered and the cot beside her creaked. A shape moved in the darkness. Who is it? She was trapped. If the person wanted to hurt her, there was nothing she could do to stop them. Pau closed her eyes and opened them again, hoping to catch even the faintest light from outside to see who was approaching with shuffling footsteps. I may not be armed, but I can still scream, Pau said, hoping it was true, that her ravaged throat would obey. Please don't scream. The voice was quiet, timid. The accent familiar is home. Every muscle in Pau's body relaxed. Val? she asked her voice finally catching, giving her a little more volume than a whisper. Shh, he said, stepping close enough that she could see the lines of his face. They don't know I'm here, and if they found out, they'd... He trailed off, his eyes darting every which way in the darkness. What's happening, Sal? Pal asked. 
her whisper as quiet as she could make it. Why am I in here? They said, Sal began, then took a shaky breath. They said you'd leave with the key, that it was our only hope. They said you were un poco loca from being sad, and you were going to put yourself and all of us in danger. Pao was suddenly so mad there could have been steam coming from her ears. So I'm crazy, huh? And they're keeping me and my flashlight hostage so I don't endanger us all. That's just great. Totally true and not at all self-serving and just totally, totally great. Paula? Sal asked his tiny voice. Yeah? I didn't believe them. He held out her flashlight. Before she could process what was happening, Sal was untying her left wrist. Sal, what are you doing? Pao asked. You can't. I'm doing what is right, he said, focused on undoing the knots. You are not loca. You are brave, and your friends need you. It's not right for Marissa to take your things, to take you. He choked up again, his hands still going, going still on the rope until he could breathe again. People shouldn't be taken, he said firmly, and then her arm was free. As he worked on her other wrist, Pau struggled not to tear up. This boy had been through so much. They'd all been through so much. The invisible kids. The stuck-in-between kids. Maybe she didn't agree with the way they'd gone about it, but could Pau really blame Naomi and Marissa for wanting to protect the Ninos, for not wanting their best chance of survival to disappear on what they assumed to be a suicide mission? I'll come back, Pau said to Sal, as he finally freed her other hand. I'll find my friends, and we'll return before the rift closes. It was a big promise, she knew, even if she made it to the rift by midnight, got inside, figured out what was causing all the supernatural strife, and found Dante and Emma. There was no guarantee she'd make it back out before the solstice was over, before they were all trapped in the rift, and the key was trapped with them. I believe you, Sal said, and together they worked to untie her legs. Within a minute, Pau was on her feet, her head swimming from exhaustion, hunger, and the keys drain on her. She would have to be careful. If her hair color was any indication, she would only be able to use it once more, and even then, there was every chance it would drain her completely. There was no time to test the way it worked, no time for hypotheses or trial runs. Would she turn into an ahogado, or was this different? Maybe she would just die. Was that what happened to Franco? Somehow, Pau felt like she was still... Um, missing a part of the story. But she had the key, and he hadn't, so maybe, just maybe, Pau took a step and immediately tripped over something bunched up at her feet. She stood again, irritated, until she realized what it was, her shopping bag, the one Senora Mata had given her to her like a million years ago. The bottle of Florida water was still inside, and Sal was handing her the flashlight. You have to go now, he said, before they come back. You have to go. Thank you, Pau said, taking the flashlight, the key, from him, and examining it closely. It had a long crack down one side that hadn't been there before, but otherwise it was intact. Pau flicked it on and off experimentally, wondering if she'd feel it, the pull on her life force. All she felt was her stomach growling, but at least the light still worked. Here, said Sal, pulling a small backpack off his shoulders and offering it to her. Food, water, supplies. You will need these, Marissa says it's a long way. Sal, I wouldn't have been able to do any of this without you, Pau said, touched by his kindness. How can I ever thank you? Do a good job, Paola Santiago, he said in a tone way too solemn for an eight-year-old. Then come back and help us kill the monsters. If I do a good job, Sal, there won't be any more monsters to kill. He nodded, he nodded only slightly, like he didn't really believe her, and then hugged her unexpectedly. When he let go, he heard voices. she heard voices and footsteps outside the tent. Pau's pulse sped up. Go, Sal said, 
smiling once more as he scampered outside. There was no time to wonder what Marissa would do to him when she found out he'd let her go. But Sal wasn't the same boy who'd had his parents taken away six months before. He was strong now, and she would have to be too. She clicked the flashlight on again, and the beam was clear and strong, pointing just a little to her left. Turning her sneakers to follow, Pal let the light lead her, away from the fire and camp, away from the people who were trying to, pro trying to protect her world.